Welcome back to San Diego and TCT 2018. I'm Mike Gibson and I'm joined by Kenny Rosenfeld and Robert Lickstein. We're talking about the PERT registry, the Pulmonary Embolism Response Team. Kenny, talk to us a bit about the philosophy of PERT. The PERT was started about uh, four or five years ago and it's basically to address this huge gap in our knowledge base uh, and to promote the team-based approach for treating pulmonary embolism which is a, a real public health issue, I think, uh, worldwide, mm -hmm. and certainly in the U.S., and really is crying for more data to mm -hmm. give us direction as to how to manage these patients who have a life-threatening problem. In fact, uh, it's uh, right behind stroke in terms of the number of mortalities it causes worldwide, yet it gets much less attention than stroke. So this is the concept of developing a, per brings to Pert brings the, the concept of a team-based approach to dealing with this uh, tenacious problem. Yeah. Robert, how does this work practically? I mean, how do you activate a team currently? So typically, uh, when a, a symptomatic patient uh, comes into the emergency room or is identified upstairs on the floor, um, a first responder, which is typically a uh, member of our critical care team, uh, will essentially create a, a virtual activation, which is typically uh, electronic. And the most important aspect of this is to have a multidisciplinary, uh, team-based engagement of the patient's clinical presentation, review the relevant imaging, review the relevant uh, uh, hemodynamic studies, review the relevant biomarkers, and then determine as a group what the collective uh, plan is for the patient's care. Uh, many times the patients are solely treated medically, but increasingly, there's a recognition that there's uh, a role for catheter-based therapies or endovascular therapies, uh, as well as open surgery. So having all the stakeholders uh, engaging simultaneously to create a, 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 a plan to reach consensus, we feel leads to better patient care. So Kenny, who's all on the team? I mean, who are these stakeholders? How do you corral them? Technically, how do you do all this? I know we have some gaps, we need to have better processes, but what are we doing right now? Well, it's differs depends upon where in, which institution you're, you're in. And when you've seen one PERT, you've seen one PERT. And, and the, the beauty of the PERT consortium, which is the consortium of all pulmonary embolism response teams around this country and it actually internationally now, is that they create their own model that works for their institution. At our institution, it happens that uh, the first responder is one of our fellows who then puts together a, an electronic go-to meeting mm -hmm. and we get anywhere between five and 15 people on that go-to meeting, even in the middle of the night, mm -hmm. uh, people responding and watching the images actually online mm -hmm. and having an online discussion uh, as to what's, what's the optimal treatment for that patient. So who are these people though? I mean, obviously it's the intensivist, uh, is it an interventional cardiologist or interventional radiologist or hematologist? I mean, who are they? It, again, varies by institution. It, uh, the, it, it's often the intensivist, the pulmonary care critical person, the uh, pulmonologist, uh, emergency department physician, uh, cardiac surgeon, oh, radiologist, uh, interventional radiologist, non-imaging person, uh, and uh, also uh, vascular surgeons in some institutions. And it, it really varies depending upon where you are. But that's actually the beauty of it, is that the people who are really passionate about, about treating pulmonary embolism and improving their outcomes uh, are involved in the PERT. How about patients' families? Do you ever get them engaged in the discussion? Very frequently, we actually do. 
um, especially when we don't have clear level one evidence to guide our decisions. Um, and there is a choice between perhaps endovascular therapy or, or open surgery or medical therapy and endovascular, uh, and endovascular therapy. Those are the most common situations. We will engage the patient. We will engage the patient's family, uh, disclose our collective experience using these therapies based on the patient's system, uh, symptoms and engage them in the decision-making process. The, the patients and their families uh, appreciate uh, that level of disclosure uh, and uh, they uniformly feel like they're getting better care. So, so imagine, let me add to that, if, if I might, um, when a patient has this situation and they actually participate in the phone call or their family participates in the go-to-meeting. Right. We've actually done that yeah. in two or three instances yeah. and you can imagine the power of that yeah. where the, the patient actually hears the discussion about what are the liabilities and limitations and benefits of one treatment over another and they actively participate in that That's discussion. That's great. That's great. So discussion is one thing. What about data and information to kind of guide best practices? Very excited to hear about what you're doing with your registry, building that. Talk to us about that, Kenny. The registry was really the, the nidus for the PERT consortium. Uh, when we started this uh, at Mass General and people were starting to ask about what we're doing and how exciting this is, uh, a few of us put our heads together and said, geez, if we could put together the, the data from all of these institutions responding with PERT teams, a multidisciplinary approach to pulmonary embolism, and uh, enter all of the patients in one unified database, we could really answer some of those outstanding questions and, and fill in that huge evidence gap that exists. So that happened and mm -hmm. it's now happening. And sure. uh, you know very much about that, Mike, and yes. maybe you can tell us about your, I should turn around the interview and have you <laughs> tell us a little bit about your, yeah. your experience with no, it. No, I, uh, I think this is really exciting because I think this is going to be a model of how you build a backbone for a data collection tool or registry where you can then randomize patients for new drugs, new devices, and uh, do it inexpensively. You know, so much of the cost of these randomized trials is building the car over and over again, rebuilding the database, and all of the mechanics of that and all the costs, and this would be a very efficient a real-time way to collect all this information. Mm -hmm. I think uh, what we have to do is get really the regulators engaged, which I'm sure they will be, and I'm sure they'll be very supportive of having this kind of tool, not just for collecting data in the trial, but also for you know collecting data about patients after that device or drug is out there in the marketplace, so for post-market surveillance. Yeah. So I think this is not just great for PE patients, but it's also great for patients in general, because it's going to be a new roadmap of how we bring people together to build inexpensive tools to randomize people and collect the data. A lot like the Swedish experience, mm -hmm. um, where they're able to evaluate 6,000 patients with you know, clot aspiration for $600,000. Not $60 million, but $600,000. Right. I think we could be looking at not a tenfold reduction, but up to a hundredfold reduction in the cost of doing studies. And of course, I think all of us know that randomized trials are just no longer mm -hmm. It's yeah. just no longer yeah. going to be feasible to spend a billion dollars every time we want to ask a question. We've got to get there. And this is really, I think, a very, very important step in getting there. So that is the, the ultimate goal. Um, yeah. I think we're starting first. Uh, you've got to walk before you run. And sure. we're starting with uh, the, the backbone, which is really a quality assurance right. uh, registry or quality improvement uh, registry. And it's, it's really driven to uh, eliminate the, or, or, just, or look at the huge variation in 
management of pulmonary embolism across uh, the world in this country and to try to define that and then uh, to provide benchmarks and so on. And maybe Rob could speak to that a little bit um, because he's really driving, yeah. the, he's, the, he's the force right now driving the registry. Well, and, I, yeah. I think most importantly, uh, it's, it's critical to recognize that this is such a pivotal time because we actually have sites right now that are entering data into the registry. So we, we've, we've really reached a, a pivotal milestone uh, in terms of being able to um, uh, actually see this come to fruition. Uh, we also have another uh, four dozen or so sites that are uh, going through the process and becoming activated uh, to uh, en enroll patients. Uh, so we, we're very, very hopeful that we'll have uh, hundreds if not thousands of uh, uh, patient data points uh, in the uh, uh, near future. Um, as we look forward to the database, to you know, Kenny's point about creating a, a sort of snapshot for any site across the country or around the world to determine um, how, they, how are they treating patients, what are their outcomes, and how do they fare as compared to the collective experience of the entire country or of the entire globe. Um, I think it's really going to drive uh, improvements in patient care, drive each in institution to do a deep dive as to how they're triaging patients, how, how efficiently, how rapidly they're triaging patients, what they can do to reduce adverse events, reduce mortality. Um, and then looking forward beyond that, uh, Mike, you alluded to this, is we really hope that we can take this uh, uh, quality registry uh, and build a, uh, a foundation to actually generate prospective hypothesis-driven research. Absolutely. Um, and uh, whether it's in something- In a cost-efficient fashion. In an extremely cost-efficient mm -hmm. way. And whether it's right. something as simple as you know, comparing uh, medical therapy versus endovascular therapy for you know, certain demographics or endovascular therapy versus, versus surgery. We, we really feel that this is uh, an unbelievable opportunity uh, to generate the evidence base so that, uh, again, we can improve the care for our patients. Uh, as uh, we've said before, this is the number one cause of mortality in the hospital right now in the United States. So there's a, a tremendous opportunity to uh, really move the dial uh, improve patient care and uh, reduce uh, adverse events for these uh, for these patients. I agree. Guys, thanks for joining us today. And thanks to all of you in the audience for joining us here live from TCT 2018 in increasingly sunny San Diego. Thank you.